Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, January 21st, 2021. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. If you've been listening to the show so far in 2021, you know that it's been a big year for WrestleRant Radio. And that the first episode of the year, we had Keith Lee back on to talk about his WWE Championship opportunity against Drew McIntyre on the uh, Raw reunion, old school Raw, whatever the hell it was called. Oh, Legends Night. It's been only a few weeks and I already forgot what it was called. Uh, We had Keith Lee here on the show two weeks ago again. We had Stone Cold Steve Austin. Doesn't get much better than that. Uh, We had him on last week to talk all about Straight Up Steve Austin and much, much more. And again, it's hard to top Steve Austin, but I got two guests that might. This week and next week. Today, we have AJ Styles to recall his Royal Rumble debut from five years ago this upcoming Sunday. Uh, We talked all about his Untold special that went live on the WWE Network last weekend, last Sunday, which was terrific. Um, The article version of that interview is available right now on Bleach Report from last Friday. The audio of that interview is also went up first on my YouTube channel. So if you want to hear these interviews before, you know, as soon as they go up, before they hit WrestleRant Radio, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash Graham G.S. and Matthews. So we got AJ Styles on the show here today to talk all about the Royal Rumble debut, his last five years in WWE, the Bullet Club, almost leaving WWE, if he came close to leaving WWE a few years ago, his time in TNA, and so much more. And then next week, we have Roman Reigns here on the show. So again, if you're a big fan of top-tier names such as Keith Lee, Stone Cold Steve Austin, AJ Styles, Roman Reigns, the month of January on WrestleRant Radio is for you. It's been a big month, so check that out next week. The interview is already up right now on Bleach Report. And again, if you want to catch the audio before it hits WrestleRant Radio next week, it's already up on the YouTube channel. So go subscribe to the channel. Never miss an exclusive interview when it gets uploaded. But today, though, like I said, we have AJ Styles first. And then, of course, as always, the back half will feature my candid conversation with Mr. Marceau talking about the past week in wrestling, including uh, Monday's Raw, the WrestleMania locations being announced for the next few years. We had um, AEW Dynamite last night, NXT per usual. So we talk all about that stuff in the back half of today's episode. But first, at this time, please welcome my exclusive guest, WWE superstar, the phenomenal one, AJ Styles. Hey, how's it going, AJ? Good, bro. As a fellow June 2nd birthday, I got to say, I'm honored to be talking to you today. Oh, wow. All right. So obviously we're celebrating the WWE Untold, your documentary coming up this Sunday on the WWE Network, the story behind your WWE debut. First and foremost, how much have these past five years flown by for you? Man, they have flown by. It's unbelievable how quick it has gone. I mean, it, I still remember, you know, the debut, like that's still fresh in my head and then mm-hmm think that was five years ago someone said to me uh they just you know hey yeah january but i'm like holy crap i'm about to be in the business 22 years like 
how did that happen so quickly? And then we go on to talk about, you know, remember when you're the young guy, you know, oh yeah, that's so crazy. It's nuts. And people have been reminiscing all week as to what they were doing when that moment happened. It's one of those wrestling moments where you're thinking to yourself, where was I when AJ Styles debuted in WWE? So it's going to be really cool for people to be revisiting that when they watch the untold this Sunday, uh, when you're having, you know, you talk all about the process in the documentary, but when you're having your final matches with ring of honor at the final battle pay-per-view or a new Japan, a wrestle kingdom, did you know at that point that you were WWE bound or at what point did it officially become official that you were coming to WWE? Uh, well, I knew that I was WWE bound, uh, when I had that last match with, uh, in, in Japan, mm-hmm. I knew, I knew I was on my way. Uh, did I know I was in the rumble? Nope. I, I didn't know. It seemed like it was to the very last minute that I was even going to be in the Royal rumble. And you mentioned that in the documentary too, that it was a week out that you didn't know until that you were going to be in the Royal rumble match itself. Were there any other internal plans that you know of that you were privy to as to, as opposed to what you would be doing instead, if you weren't in the Royal rumble match or maybe saving you as a post WrestleMania surprise, for example. Yeah, no, I was told zero things. Uh, mm-hmm. No one kind of kept me in the loops. So I was just kind of <laughs> waiting on like, Oh, I hope I'm able to get into the Royal rumble. That'd be cool. But I understand if I'm not. Yeah, no, it was cool because we hear a lot from Samoa Joe, who, of course, you have a lot of history with uh, from your impact days. And he's in the documentary as well. And he mentioned that he picked you up from the airport that morning in Orlando or in Tampa, I think he said, um, before you guys went to Orlando for the show. Was it tough keeping it a debut, keeping your debut a secret from all your friends? And who else aside from Joe knew about that ahead of time? Uh, Literally almost no one uh, knew about debut. I didn't really tell anybody. Um because I, I, you know, it was one of those things. I didn't, I didn't know exactly what was going. It was going to actually be in the rumble, or was it doing something on the rumble? Like I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I didn't tell a soul. As crazy as that sounds. No, no, it definitely came off as a genuine surprise when it happened. Uh, And you've been a rare case, too, because we've seen a lot of, you know, former, you know, people outside of WWE, whether it be from New Japan or Ring of Honor, Impact, whatever, come to WWE, and they have success, but no one quite to your extent, where you've been a two-time WWE champion, you headlined WrestleMania last year with The Undertaker among facing other legends at various other pay-per-views. What do you think has made you such an exception to that rule where you come in and literally and within no time you're a top guy is it a combination of talent and timing and circumstances and stuff like that i i think so talent timing circumstances mm-hmm. um being able to adapt and learn you know the thing is when i got to the wwe i still had a lot to learn with mm-hmm. the way things are done there because it is done differently i trust me when i say this it is and the thing is you have to be told one time and that's it and you have to get it right uh you you don't want to make the you don't want to make the big man mad so you want you want to be able to listen understand and uh get it done right the first time and i was able to do that now don't get me wrong there's some things i i still screw up like everyone else i'm not perfect but uh that was what it was about And, and and humbling yourself too by the way you know there's some humbling experiences that I've went through in the WWE that uh, I appreciate to this day. 
And when you come in, it's it's such a special moment because just seeing you in the Rumble itself was cool. But I think the fact that you came in in as AJ Styles, as yourself, um, you know, move set completely the same. Even your logo, the P1, the Phenomenal One logo, was exactly the same as it was in New Japan, Ring of Honor, Impact, et cetera, et cetera. Was that an important thing to you to come in maintaining that consistency in your image that you built up before WWE? Not at all. <laughs> then it wasn't, the, you know, the, the thing I remember Triple H and I was talking and I said, uh, you know, he's like, I don't know if we're going to be able to keep your name. Uh, I said, well, that is fine. I have no problem. Yeah. Just so you know, I have this huge tattoo on my side that says AJ. <laughs> it's not really my name. It's my kids initials yeah. and birthdays, but uh, just throwing that out there. So luckily I was able to keep the, the whole name AJ Styles and uh, yeah, it kind of worked out for the best. You talk about in the documentary that extensive phone call with Triple H that you had in the hotel room the night of the Ring of Honor show. Um, you didn't mention this in the doc, but was there at any thought at any point the thought of you going to NXT first? Because that seems to be the process, or was it just straight to the main roster? Was that just a priority for you, or is that just something that kind of happened? Well, I mean, I would have, uh, I think, gone to NXT for a couple months and to get more familiar with what was going on, how it's mm-hmm. done there. But I felt like as far as my career is concerned, I, I really didn't have the time to spend uh, in NXT. I needed to be on the main roster so that, uh, you know, somehow, some way, make myself a bigger star. So in the end, this is a job, and I'd like to make more money as much as I can before I retire. And I think fans are going to be happy to know that this documentary is going to feature an extensive, you know, an extensive amount of footage from your impact days too, which isn't always a given. We see a lot of it on the network. We don't really hear much about impact or TNA on WWE TV itself for obvious reasons. Um, Was it cool to be able to get that footage and be able to talk about your time in TNA? Cause that was a big part of obviously what got you to where you are today in WWE. Well, you've seen more of the documentary than I have. Uh, So I haven't seen these matches Mm-hmm. But that, that, I think that's cool that they were able to work with them because a lot of my career was done there. The majority of my career was done in TNA. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was able to learn from a lot of different people. You know, we, we talk about guys who used to be in WWE, Booker T and, and Kurt Angle, who I had fantastic. I wrestled, you know, Kevin Nash, a, a ton of different guys who were in WWE at one time. And uh, listen, I was able to learn from them as well. So I, I wouldn't be the man, the wrestler that I am today had I not been in the ring with guys like that. And has it been cool to kind of see that transition over the last couple of years? Because when you first showed up in WWE and right before then, you would literally never hear the initials TNA or Impact, whether it be on a WWE show or the network or whatever. And then fast forward a couple of years, we have that episode of Table for Three with yourself, Jeff Jarrett, and Sting, where you guys talk all about your time in Impact, which is just, it blows everyone's mind. Has it been cool to see that transition to kind of open those doors i guess so to speak from wwe into new japan and impact and have them referenced on the shows i think so i think it'd be great if we all could be able to to, to use footage from way back in when and, and wherever i mean it's just a history of this character you know the one thing about sting and jeff jarrett and aj styles is that they've always been the same character it's it's always been them uh there may be some some changes in that character but it's really that same name comes along with it. So I, th- I think it's great that we're able to go back and grab some footage from different places and that we can all work together and, uh, you know, for, for the good of entertainment. Mm-hmm. 
And initially you left Impact and you talk about that in the documentary. You left there in late 2013 at the onset of 2014. It was a good two years before you finally arrived in WWE. Of course, you spent that time in Ring of Honor New Japan before coming to the company, the Royal Rumble. Uh, what do you think it was that led to you? It was obviously the timing was a factor, but coming to WWE in January of 2016, as opposed to January of 2014, uh, what, what do you think changed in that two-year period? And was it proving yourself over New Japan? Well, maybe it was just proving myself that definitely I could work uh, in Japan mm -hmm. and, and have great matches over there. Granted, I was able to have great matches with great talent, so that made it easy. But uh, also is that uh, some of the talent they had gotten previously from TNA at that time, it didn't pan out. So maybe they were a little, you know, WWE was a little gunshot. Plus Samoa Joe, I think, was a big help mm -hmm. going to NXT first, being great talent, being very professional uh, I think that helped tremendously. Um, so just, a, I think a little, little things like that are able to help me find my way to WWE. Yeah, no, no, most definitely. I would agree. Uh, Impact fans actually heard your entrance music recently on the show when Hornswoggle of all people came out. I think they called him the We Nominal One or something like that. I had to get your thoughts on that. That aired recently on the show. Uh, did you, did you see the Swoggle appearance where he came out to the get ready to fly music on the show? I didn't really, I didn't see it. I saw the pictures. Hilarious. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good for him. The phenomenal, the we nominal one is hilarious to me. So if he's able to make a little money off the, the we nominal one, then go for it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It was, it was cool to hear the music again, if nothing else. Do you have a favorite theme that you've had over the course of your career, whether it be the current one in WWE that, I think it was either you or, yeah, I think you mentioned this in Table for Three that it was actually originally reserved for James Storm um, had he come in right before you, which would have been cool as well. Um, but do you have a favorite entrance theme that you've used over the course of your career, regardless of where it was? Uh, I've had some good ones throughout, uh, but I, I would say WWE being unique to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know it may have been written for James Storm, but it, it was, it was mine. It, it, like it suits me to a T. It fits me perfectly. Yeah. Uh, it was meant to be. Uh, and therefore I think it's, it's one of my favorite for sure. It was so different than, than everybody else's. Uh, even at the Royal Rumble, you know, nobody was hating on my, my entrance music, which was cool. You know, normally <laughs> you don't have great entrance music. Mine was fantastic and still is. Yeah, no, it skyrocketed at the top of the iTunes charts literally within days of your debut, which was awesome. Um, so you re-signed, you've talked about this before, but you re-signed with WWE following your debut in 2016, back in 2019. And I know Gallows and Anderson have gone on the record before talking about how uh, you guys wanted to go to AEW or they did or whatever, or show up on that first Dynamite show. Uh, were you ever close at any point to that happening or was that just more of a their situation or what were your thoughts on that whole thing? Well, I mean, listen, like I said before, this is a business and I'm going to go where business is best for AJ mm -hmm. Styles. Um, you know, I, I, I like WWE. I like everything about it. I, I know it. I'm, I'm used to it. Uh, I don't believe it. Um, this is a business, though. This is what we do for a living. Was it close? I wouldn't say it was close for me. Um, you know, like I said, I, I want to be in WWE. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the situation with Gallows and Anderson, uh, you know, everything that's going on, maybe maybe uh, they should have went ahead and went that route when the second contracts came around, you know. But hindsight's twenty twenty, and uh, you know, 
you, you've read the dirt sheets and whatnot, and you know how pissed I was about the whole situation, not mm. not at them, but at the situation. Yeah. So, um, you know, but at, I think they're happier doing what they're doing now. Yeah. So if that's the case, then I am happy for them. And that, like I said, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, and you were a big part of that Bullet Club faction for as long as you were over New Japan from 2014 to 2016, and they just reunited last week with uh, Kenny Omega and the Bucks and whoever else. Is it cool to see the the faction still living on and in kind of what you, you know, you taking it to the next level while you were in it, um, these various incarnations all these years later? I think so. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, how did this get over so well? It was because you had a guy's, who genuinely wanted to hang out together. Like we just didn't, we just weren't together when it came to wrestling. We were together outside uh, of the wrestling ring too. We were actually hanging out. And I think that's why it worked so well for us at that time. Like we, we all hang out together. Uh, And so seeing those guys, I'm happy for them. I hope they're able to continue what, you know, they started what, whenever it was 2000, uh, 13 with uh, Finn <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, super cool to see. Uh, and you mentioned when you re-signed your latest contract in 2019, that would be your last in-ring contract with WWE, regardless of what you do behind the scenes after that. Uh, how many in-ring years do you see yourself having left in the company? Is there any timetable, or is it really just whenever it feels right to you? I think whenever it feels right. You know, some days I feel like I, I feel like I can go, you know, five, six more years, and then some years I'm like, oh, man, this is a – I could be done this year, you know? So mm-hmm. as you get older, your body, you know, it's, it's just changing. It's just changing. You got to listen to your body and, and figure out what it can do next. Um, and uh, with my style, it's a little bit different. So I like to push it still to this day. And, you know, I, I'm just going to go as long as I can, as long as I can stay healthy and just see what happens see where it takes me. And you talked a lot going into WrestleMania 34 a few years ago that that match with Shinsuke Nakamura at that event would be the biggest match of your career, at least at that point. That was three years ago. Is that still the case three years later? Has the Taker match surpassed that from last year? And what were your thoughts on the Nakamura match for Mania in uh, 2018? Well, I I can tell you this. The expectations for me and Nakamura were uh, so high, I don't think anybody could have reached them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it was a great match. It, it, It really was. And it even continued into another story uh, with him and I. But uh, has it been surpassed? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think the the match with The Undertaker, even though cinematic, the way it was, you know, would him and I prefer to be in a ring? I, I think so. You know, in front of thousands and thousands of people, yeah, that had been great. But, you know, things happen the way they do. And we were able to have a fantastic cinematic match that that worked and it really really worked and and, and, and during the process of filming you're going this could be really good this is really different so we were excited to see and for me a little bit worried too because you never know how people are going to take these matches but uh we thought we had something great and, and when you see it back you're like wow that was that was really great yeah, I think a lot of people would say it was the match of the year for WWE in uh, 2020. I think it won that award on the bump, too, which was cool. Uh, final few questions for you, AJ. Kind of speaking of WrestleMania, you faced Taker last year. You've also faced Randy Orton, Shane McMahon, Chris Jericho, Shinsuke Nakamura at the event. If you've had the choice to close out your career with a final match at WrestleMania, is there any one realistic dream opponent in mind, whether it be someone that you had history with or someone you've never faced before? 
You know, uh, I've had this question asked before. I wonder if that question was asked to the undertaker, would he have said AJ Styles? Mm -hmm. Probably not. I probably (laughs) wasn't on his list, Uh, but you never know who will be. I don't know who that, that person is who will finally, I'll have my last match with. I don't know. I have no idea who it will be with, Uh, but that's okay. That's a good thing. Um, There, there are plenty of other performers out there that could have fantastic matches with me. And uh, in my career, you know, problem is, is hopefully I can I can deliver a lot of that match as well. Is there any one match that you regard as your greatest, whether it be in WWE or just in the entirety of your career up to this point? Oh man, I, I've had so many yeah. that I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be you know with John Cena at the at the Royal Rumble. You know, so many matches like that uh, that I've had that I've gone, wow, like you understand that it, why was it so important? Because we didn't go outside the ring. We didn't hit the uh, the floor. We stayed in the ring. You know, there's, there was a match that Tanahashi and myself had to see who goes into the finals. Uh, and it was great. It was, there was something, you know, about it, you know, him being so great at what he does. And even, you know, the triple threat match that I had with Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe and Tina, there's so many matches like mm-hmm. that that throughout my career that stick out like, whoa, that was that was big. Um, so, but we're not done yet. You know, there's still yeah. some matches that can be done like that. And I'm, I'm excited to have those as well. Yeah, most definitely. Well, people can relive the Royal Rumble debut of AJ Styles on WWE Untold this Sunday on the WWE Network. It's a great documentary. I implore everyone to uh, check it out. Longtime fan, AJ. Really appreciate the time, man. I appreciate it a lot. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Take care. Big thanks to AJ for his time. Can't thank him enough for that interview as he's always been one of my favorites, as I mentioned there at the end, uh, for a long time, ever since I started watching TNA 12, 13 years ago. So that was a real thrill for me. Now let's start to my conversation with Mr. Marceau talking Raw, WrestleMania, NXT, and Dynamite from this past week. Mr. Marceau, what's going on, brother? Doing good, GSM. How are you? Doing great. We got three WrestleMania locations announced last Saturday, and you were the first person that I thought of because we haven't been to Mania since 35, which was the last WrestleMania, obviously, with fans involved. Um, So real quickly, right off the bat, we have WrestleMania 37 coming up in April in Tampa, RJ Stadium. So it seems almost fitting that you would be there, but I don't think you will. Next year, we have Dallas at AT AT&T Stadium for WrestleMania 38. Then WrestleMania 39 is going to be at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. So, Mr. Marceau, of those Mania locations, does any of those do any of those Mania locations tickle your fancy, or is it a case of like I'm probably not going for the next five years due to the current circumstances? Um, I mean, going, I want to go to SoFi Stadium. It's like brand new, so I would definitely want to go there. I just, I'm not a big fan of flying, so I mean, that's a hike. Mm-hmm. Um, Tampa, I mean, I have no interest in going to Tampa. I heard it's not really that nice, so. Out in Tampa and Dallas would be pretty cool as well, but uh, I wouldn't say I'm head over heels for any of those locations. Have you been to either Dallas or um, Los Angeles before? Not Lo- and not LA. I know that for a fact, right? I went to LA two years ago for the World Series. Oh, right, right, right. But you were only in there for a couple coffee, right? Just a couple of days? Not even. Yeah, I was there for two days. Two days, okay. Two days too long. <laughs> you didn't like it that much, really? Eh, it's not my vibe. It's just like a big. It's like. Just not, yeah, it's just not my vibe. It's like a big city, and I don't know. It's like New York, but worse. 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't been to L.A., so I can't say. I'm intrigued to go to L.A. just to say that I've been. I've been to San Francisco, but never L.A., so... uh yeah, I might wait till SoFi. I've never been to Dallas um, outside of the airport before. Have you been to Texas before? I went to Houston 2019. I went to Houston. For what for? A family thing? I went for a football game. Oh, a football game. Nice. Not at AT&T Stadium, right? No, I was in Houston at uh, NRG. That, that's where... Uh, WrestleMania 25? Yeah, that's where WrestleMania 25 was. Oh, nice. Perfect. All right, cool. So keep an eye out for WrestleMania coming up in the next few years. Um, I'm definitely not going to Tampa. Maybe Dallas. That does intrigue me. Um, but SoFi might be nice, especially with the stadium being as new as it is. So you know it's going to be a nice experience. But, again, it all depends on the circumstances in the coming years and whatnot because anything can change at any given time. Uh, but we got to get right into Raw from this past week, Mr. Marceau. It was another mixed bag of a show. And last week's show was one of the worst I've seen in a while. This was a step up. It was a very slight improvement, which is not saying much. But obviously this had a very heavy emphasis on Asuka, Alexa Bliss, and Randy Orton. So before we get into any other segments or matches or thoughts on the show, what were your thoughts specifically on the Orton, Bliss, and uh, Asuka stuff throughout the night? So I thought the Orton promo at first was, like, good. It just, like, it was just too long. I mean, Yeah, that's my thoughts exactly, yeah. I thought it was good for what it was. I, I like how they kind of acknowledge it. It wasn't like he just, like, came back, just everything fine. Like... Like they normally would do. Normally, if someone gets a fireball on their face, they're like back next week with like soot on their face. So mm-hmm. I'm glad they kind of docked that up a little bit. That felt like a little old school wrestling feel for me. Um, but yeah, I thought the promo itself was good. It just like kind of dragged on. It was just a little too long. But I get the premise. I so just like I said, if I had to do it again, I would have uh, chopped it up a little bit. Um, the playground. I don't know. I just maybe it was just a little too goofy for me, just because of Oscar. I don't know. She just like comes off just so goofy to me and I don't really like her character as a baby face. She just screams Japanese and just dances around and just she's just a joke. So mm-hmm. um the Alexa Bliss stuff, I thought she was great in that in that kind of environment, but I don't know. Oscar's more like turn my T V off at this point. She just is unbearable, annoying to me. Um but the match itself I thought was good. Um Alexa turning like bad, I guess whatever you want to call it. Like her dark persona was great. Her beating Oscar was even better. Um, Oscar's great. I just, uh, I just don't think she's been really taken as a serious threat right now. Nor should she with her current character. So Alexa beating her uh, made me very happy. Yeah, the match itself, I never expected to be an instant classic. So what they did instead with the cinematics and the lights going out and uh, what they did going into commercial break, I actually thought was well done. And um, I-, I liked it. I know it's a very polarizing thing. It's either you love this stuff, I feel like, or you hate it. I know it's a very hit or miss. You know, I, I said here on the show a couple weeks ago, I know you disagreed, but I didn't really care for the whole, oh, or is Orton going to light her on fire shit? I thought that was stupid, but everything they've done since then, I've, I've largely enjoyed, and um, I think this week, the Orton promo, I completely agree. The material that he was given to work with, I thought he made the most out of, and it just went on too long. That was my biggest criticism of that opening segment. It just For an opening promo, it went on fucking forever, um, but the match itself in the main event between Asuka and Alexa Bliss... I actually thought it was really well done. This is probably, easily, the most compelling Bliss has been in many years. Probably the most compelling she's ever been on the main roster. And she's been here for five years now in, uh, in, in the summer, as of the summer. 
So, um, yeah, I, I've been really enjoying what they've been doing with these three overall. Um, that being Orton, The Fiend, and Alexa Bliss. Do we get an Orton-Fiend match at the Rumble? That seemed to be the original plan, RJ, but it doesn't look like they're going in that direction unless they announce something on Monday's Raw. Yeah, I mean, the rumor... I mean, rumors can always change in WWE. The fucking plans change every two minutes, so... I mean, originally I heard they were going to do a Firefly Funhouse match at Royal Rumble. Um, doesn't really seem like that's the direction they're going with unless they do something crazy on Monday night. Um... I mean, I really don't really want. I don't really want to see Randy in the Royal Rumble. I just, I mean, I, I guess you could throw him in there, but I just, I think a match with the Fiend makes more sense at the story they're telling. Um, but then you also have to write it off, so maybe they'll hold off on that. But I, I, I don't know how much longer you can really tease it without coming up with a match. So I, I would say Royal Rumble makes the most sense, but it doesn't really seem like that's the direction they're going in. What about Oscar and Alexa Bliss? She pinned the Raw Women's Champion in the main event of Raw on Monday night. Where do you go with them from here? I, I would, I mean, Alexa said she's not going to be in the Royal Rumble match, so, I mean. Could she win it? She could, but she doesn't need to. She just beat Asuka. Yeah. So, I mean, the title, like, shot, a, a title shot now she seems inevitable because she just beat her clean on Raw, so. Um, maybe they do, like, uh, I like I, I, I don't think they should do it on Raw. Well, I guess they could just do it on Raw, maybe, just, like, I don't know if that really pop a rating, but at least make Raw something memorable. Maybe have her and Oscar on Raw. She beats 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 Oscar. But just the real issue is like, what do you do with Bliss after if she's the champion? Like, what do you do there? I just feel like, what Charlotte beat her? Like, no, thank you. So, it's one of those things. I want Alexa to win, but I just feel like, what 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 do you do with her after the fact? There's really no one else. I mean, a babyface Charlotte. No, thank you. Oscar, she already beat her. Uh, like. Like, I don't even know who's on Raw. Lacey Evans? Like, no. I just, it seems good on paper her winning, but just like from there, it's like, what do you do with her? She's going to be like Oscar 2.0, wasting a title. The whole, basically last year's whole reign was pretty much useless. She didn't really do much, and even the past couple months, she's done nothing. So I fear if they give Alexa the title, I guess she's with the Fiends, so maybe it'll, it'll polish it up a little bit, but there's just no one in that division that really intrigues me that would warrant a title match. It's just kind of like, when Oscar faced uh, Zelina Vega, Lana, like who's she gonna really face? It's just, and if it's it's Charlotte, no, thank you. So mm-hmm. that's what I fear most if she gets the belt. Well, speaking of the Raw Women's Division, they were all over the sh- on uh, they were all over the show this week, which was cool to see. Unfortunately, a lot of the segments didn't really mean anything. We had Charlotte Flair versus Peyton Royce. We had Shayna Baszler versus Mandy Rose. A lot of damaged goods people. Um, I mean, you look at Shayna; she means. Not nearly as much as she did a year ago when people were, you know, pegging her to win the Royal Rumble match for the women. Obviously, she didn't. It's been all downhill from there. Ever since she really arrived in the main roster, it's been all downhill from that point. Um, Mandy Rose does not feel remotely as special as she did coming off that Sonya Deville SummerSlam victory a couple of months ago, which it feels like an eternity ago at this point, but she's just another woman on the roster. Peyton Royce, I mean, she beat. Bailey at Survivor Series. She eliminated her from that women's elimination tag team match. No follow-up. She pinned Charlotte Flair two or three weeks ago. You know, she was on the show this week. Even with a distraction from Lacey Evans and Charlotte's own father, Rick, Peyton still couldn't win. And I know you can't have Charlotte get pinned every week, but then why do the match? Or just put another woman in there instead. Um, and, and then Charlotte, I don't know if she's a heel. I don't know if she's a babyface. We you know, really discussed that in great detail, I think, last week when we crapped all over the storyline because it makes absolutely no sense. So 
In a nutshell, Mr. Marceau, what were your thoughts on the whole Flair, Lacey, Royce continuation of that dumb angle um, that saw Ric Flair come out with Lacey, Lacey wearing the robe? What the hell is going on here? Yeah, that's like this is kind of ex- like extending from what I just said. I just think the Raw Women's Division, like they have some women. I just think the women that they should be focusing on aren't the ones they are. Like I love Mandy. I think, like you said, coming off that Sonya win, it was the, probably one of the hottest things on SmackDown last year. You figured after that win, um, she'd get pushed a little bit. But I feel like anything, she's been regressed so much and her push, and she's just losing constantly. They had Dana beat Shayna a few times. Now Mandy just can't beat her. Like, switch the roles. Have Dana lose to Shayna and have Mandy be the one that beats her. At least she can – I mean, Shayna's definitely not what she was before, but at least give give Mandy some wins that mean a little bit. Um, so that's definitely disheartening. And then Payne Royce, like you said, she she beat Bailey. I thought I thought that would be – I mean, she did get beat like two seconds later after she pinned Bailey by Natty, so I guess that really didn't mean too much after mm-hmm. that. But you would think that she would be the one beating Charlotte. Even, like you said, with the distraction, she should have won, and then they could just – continued Charlotte and Lacey, and then Payne could brag about how she beat Charlotte twice. I mean, instead you ever lose again. It just, it's, I don't really get what's going on with the, with the division. They keep pushing the wrong people. Shayna, Nia, Mandy, Dana, it's just every week they're just intertwined in some kind of match that I really could care less about. It just, they have the talent, they're just not pushing the right people right now. And I don't want Charlotte to be a babyface because she's not a babyface. Like, why would I want to boo her or cheer for her? Because, her dad is with Lacey Evans. Like, who cares? Yeah. So what do you think they're going for here? Are they going to turn Charlotte Flair heel? Because remember, a couple of weeks ago, the original direction they were going in was that Charlotte was a heel because she belittled her father. And after he accidentally just, you know, it was it was not on purpose, he cost her the victory. And then she just scolded him like, you know, like a, you know, like a heel would. So I don't know where they're going with this. Yeah, but she, I mean, she he did trip her on purpose. I mean, no, I no, no. I think- did the first time? Last I mean, week if, he did. Well, if he didn't mean, if they in theory didn't, I don't know. I feel like when he tripped there, it like kind of looked obvious, but maybe he just didn't do it correctly. But I mean, even if she, I don't know. I just don't even feel like I would. She's just a heel. That's the end of the point. I don't even have to go intertwine there. If you mean the trip or if not, she's just a glorified heel, and no one wants to cheer for her. Even I just think she's just a way better heel. So why would you want to push her as a babyface? No one's going to cheer her. I mean, there's no crowds anyways. But once they go back to crowds, not not no one's going to cheer her. I just I I would push her. I would just turn her heel. I mean, she kind of is a heel already. Um, but I would just full fledged turn her heel. Have her just like break Rick's fucking legs or something. Just turn her... Oh, my like, God. Or just, like, have her beat up her dad. <laughs> I mean, just, like, have her beat up Rick, and then then we know she's a heel. Yeah, so, so you mean, like, the other two or three times that she's done it over the years? Correct. Put him in the figure day and make him tap on and cry and run back to his 10th wife. Jesus. Um. So we move on from there, also from Raw. Or, actually, before we move on from that, one last question. Do you put the Raw Women's Championship on Charlotte going into WrestleMania, or do you keep it on Asuka? Uh, I don't, it all depends on what they do, I guess. I mean, <sighs> I mean, if you turn Charlotte face, I, I guess you could give her the belt, and then maybe Alexa beats her at WrestleMania if that's the story they're going with. But like I said, Alexa just beat Oscar clean on Raw, so I feel like Alexa would be the next one to get the title. I yeah. just, I just, I. It seems like they have the pieces; they just don't really know what to do with them right now. Do we even want Rhea Ripley in the Raw roster at this point? 
for her sake, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she kind of has to be, but yeah, no, for her sake, probably not. Um, I will say this, though. So we had, who was it? Uh, T-Bar, I think, beating Xavier Woods last week, and I'm thinking to myself, why are they doing this? This is incredibly random. Kofi's out injured, so we just it just feels like filler. Um, but we actually got some more context this week with Ali calling out Kofi Kingston and blaming him for getting his WWE title opportunity stolen from him two years ago. So I know it's not a, a world championship program, but if they're going to do a New Day Retribution feud, I like the fact they're bringing that back up and they're using that as the motivation for why Retribution are going after New Day. So honestly, I didn't hate that. The match itself was whatever. I don't I don't give a shit about Mace beating Xavier Woods. But the story itself with Ali and Kofi writes itself, and I'm glad they're finally getting to that. Yeah, for what it was, it's fine. I, like you said, at least they have some backstory and they're actually kind of connecting the dots, which they normally don't do. So for that sake, it's better than just them throwing, just having Ricochet get killed by them every week. So uh, I'll, I'll go for what it is. I just I think Retribution's kind of just dead in the water at this point. But I guess if they have some kind of real animosity or some real storytelling, I could get behind it a little bit at least. Well, speaking of Ricochet, he was on Raw this week. He missed last week's show. He was back this week. Faced AJ Styles, rekindled that rivalry from a few years ago. Um, no real story here aside from the fact that Adam Pearce told Ricochet that if he beats AJ, he might qualify himself for the Royal Rumble. I know Adam Pearce has since gone on Twitter and said, oh, people who have been cleared by management can, you know, declare themselves for the Rumble and others can't. It has to be run by management first. All right, then the question becomes, what, you know, what qualifies these people? How did, what, what did they do to deserve a shot or a spot in these Royal Rumble matches? And other people did not. So it still doesn't exactly explain it. I mean, I appreciate his attempt to explain it, but some things you just can't explain. It's, it's been this way for years, so I'm not really surprised. It doesn't really bother me. I heard that you, Mr. Marceau, were declaring yourself, or are you still a surprise entrant? <laughs> still a surprise entrant at this point. I mean, I get they're trying to like connect the dots, but it just doesn't make sense when two people early on the show are just like, I'm going to enter myself in the Royal Rumble, and then later on they're like, oh, no, you have to win this match to get it. I mean, why didn't he just... It just... I don't know. Whatever happened to qualifying matches, they used to do that. I mean, obviously other people would get in, but maybe there should be a qualifier. Like, you automatically get in if you're a former world champion or you've won a title last year or some kind of, like, make it a qualifier. Just, like, because it makes no sense if X, Y, and Z make it and then Ricochet just has to win a match to get in. It just, like you said, doesn't make much sense. I, I get they try to cover up that, like, inconsistency, but it just doesn't make much sense to me. The former world champion line scares me because that opens the doors for a Jinder Mahal return if they wanted to do that. <laughs> hey, at least he did something to deserve it, I guess. <laughs> Even if it was four years ago. Yeah, hey, I'll take it. But the AJ and Ricochet match was actually really good. It was the best match on the show. That finish was fucking great. Um, that was one of the best styles clashes I've ever seen. And he's done a lot of them. He, he did one, I remember, specifically to Rollins. Um, two years ago, Money in the Bank, Rollins was going for the curb stomp and he caught his foot and right into a Styles Clash. It was fucking awesome. He has done some of his best Styles Clashes in WWE than he ever did in TNA. Um, but yeah, this was a very good match. Ricochet losing was no surprise. And it's worth noting too, AJ has won, dude, 12 of his last 14 matches on Raw. He has no direction right now. But he has won a lot of matches since coming to Monday Night Raw. And the only two that he lost, one was the six-man tag, which I don't think he was pinned in. And the other one was the TLC match, which he also wasn't pinned in either, and it was a triple threat. So it really feels like they're heavily protecting AJ, which is cool. Which makes me question, I mean, there's got, you know, to kind of go off what we discussed last week, 
it, it, there has to be some sort of plan in place for him aside from just the Battle Royal, which I just I refuse to believe is the plan for him at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's a bigger thing that we're not thinking about right now, but I mean, he is winning, so I guess that's a positive. I just, I don't know really what you do with him. Maybe him and The Fiend, I mean, that that's something we haven't seen yet. Um, that's but, a possibility. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that he's protecting, he's been winning, that's always good. Um, maybe, maybe it was a little harsh on saying he's going to be in the Battle Royal, but... Um, We'll see. Maybe him against Bobby. I mean, I don't know. There's, I think there's a lot of possibilities. Um, but, yeah, he's winning, so that's always a positive. And at least you're keeping someone strong and not just doing 50 foot deep booking with everyone. At least he has more momentum than the fucking Miz and John Morrison. Um, they had the dirt <laughs> sheet this week with uh, quote-unquote Goldberg, who was obviously portrayed by Gilberg, and then Drew McIntyre, some loser, um, some fat loser dressed up as, as McIntyre. <laughs> Um, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I actually laughed at the Gilberg stuff. I, I, you know, I love when they bring back Gilberg. They brought him back for the Festival of Friendship four years ago. So it's been long enough since we last saw him on WWE TV that I actually thought this was kind of funny. The McIntyre sh- this stuff was complete shit. Um, and the whole segment was kind of shit on the whole. But yeah, I just, I, I guess the point of this was, <laughs> I, I think I said this in my Raw Talk review, but I think the whole point of this was for Miz to say, hey, I have the contract. I can cash this in at any time, so beware. I might become the next champion. It's like, all right, we already know you're the fucking money in the bank holder. And and the fact that he's putting this out there, that he might cash into the Royal Rumble, which obviously confirms he's not going to cash in. Because why would you want McIntyre and Goldberg to know that you might show up and then they can beat you? So it makes absolutely no sense. I feel like this entire thing was just a giant waste of time. And as cool as it was to see Gilbert back on the show... Unless Goldberg has COVID and I just didn't know it, maybe he pushed McIntyre and got it from him. I don't know when he was on Le- oh, when he was on the Legends Night Raw a few weeks ago. I'm not sure why they wouldn't have Goldberg appear either last week or this week before he returns next week. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I always pop for Goldberg, so I mean, I I, I got chuckled out of me the the McIntyre guy. I mean, was whatever. I mean, he's just a fat idiot. So I mean, <laughs> I, I, get, I mean, it was kind of funny, but like, it just like it's kind of like you said. It's, it's cool to see Gilbert. I always pop when I see Gilbert. It's just I think it's just like the biggest form of just like just it's just hilarious. It's some goofball like he plays it up so well, and I think he it's does. always funny how he comes back. The Drew McIntyre guy, whatever. But uh, yeah, it was just kind of a waste, like you said. Why, especially with the briefcase, you're supposed to. I would think you're supposed to be more sneaky and like like be like Triple H, like the op, like whatever his name is, like the cerebral assassin, like just to, like take your. Pick your choosings. Like, not just to be like, hey, I'm going to cash in. Just let you know. Like, obviously, like you said, it's not going to happen. I, I I thought when I saw Goldberg at first that like Goldberg would come out and, like, just, just spear him and kill yeah. him. But, may, like you said, maybe he's got COVID from from the push from a few weeks ago. But who knows? But who knows? Um, for what it was, it was fine. But, like you said, it, was, it felt like kind of like filler. Man, I mean, the fact that Morrison came back a year ago and really hasn't done a lot since really makes me sad. Because, I mean, I know they were SmackDown Tag Team Champions. I like Miz and Morrison a lot. But this shit, I don't know if it's their own doing or the writing or whatever it is. The booking obviously hasn't helped. They're just the two biggest losers on the Raw roster right now. And it's a shame to see the fact they gave him back the briefcase was even worse. Um, But we did get the Hurt Business versus Riddle in the Lucha House Party on Monday. The Hurt Business once again going over decisively. So if it wasn't already established enough that Riddle was a loser last week when he tapped out to Lashley in two minutes, he once again lost this week. He wasn't pinned, but he certainly didn't win either. So uh, this was what it was. I just, um, I don't know. I, I'm glad the Hurt Business is winning, 
But if you want to build to a rematch with Riddle or give the Lucha House Party a Raw Tag Team title match after they beat Alexander and Benjamin a few weeks ago, you would think the babyfaces would have won here. So that didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I, thing is, I like the Hurt Business, so them going over, I, I didn't have a huge issue with. The mid-card, I just I feel like they haven't really built anyone up too great. Um, you still got Jeff and that Elias trash. I mean, that I don't even think that's even... That's that's the extent that we'll talk about that. Just terrible. <laughs> it um, is terrible. What a waste of Jeff Hardy. It is a waste of Jeff Hardy. I, I mean, I'm not the biggest Riddle fan, but I mean, he's lost to Bobby once. He lost again this week, so I, clearly he's on the outs. I just feel like there's no real babyface contenders at this point that, I mean, I guess makes sense to face Bobby, which I I think he's done great in this role. I just, they got to give him something. I mean, I like Bobby. I like the Hurt Business. They just need to book them. Have credible people from the beat because it seems like they just keep beating everyone. And it just seems like they're keeping them at this this mid-card level, I would say. Yeah, no, I enjoy the Hurt Business a lot. I, I really do want to see them get to that next level. I know Bobby Lashley is the current reigning United States champion, but I would like to see him drop the belt at some point and then ascend out of the main event, not just stay at this level, the upper mid-card, the mid-card itself, whatever. Um, I think they're the one of the best booked you know, acts on the entire show, so they do deserve to be at that level, at least Bobby Lashley with MVP as his manager. So hopefully at some point we do see that. And, I mean, again, him beating Riddle all the time isn't really going to mean anything unless it leads somewhere. So hopefully they are protecting him for something and not just for this. I mean, it's good they're protecting him at all, but hopefully it's leading somewhere. But knowing this company, the odds of that happening probably aren't very likely. Um, we're going to switch over now to NXT from Wednesday, which I thought was a pretty good show overall on um, the continuation of the men's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic and the women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. First in the men, we had the Ways, Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory getting beat by Kushida and Leon Ruff after Kushida pinned Gargano. So this is, ob- I mean, obviously we didn't have either team moving on to the next round or, you know, moving on to the finals anyway, but this would seem to lead to Kushida... Um, you know, getting the next match cost by the way, specifically Gargano. And then we get Gargano and Kushida for the North American Championship at TakeOver in February. I just think that makes the most sense. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think I think that's the direction they're going with. Um, I mean, there's nothing really much to say that the match itself is fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think that's <laughs> what they're going to go with. I mean, I don't really have much. The match is fine. I think yeah. that's the direction they're going with. No, no, I agree. Um, so also in Dusty Classic action, we had the Lucha House Party beating Imperium, uh, which was actually a pretty good match. Some, you know, some missed spots at a, you know, a time or two, but overall I thought it was, it was a very good match in the first round. And then the Women's Classic kicked off too, with um, Casey Cadenzaro and Caden Carter beating the duo of Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez, following interference from Io Shirai. So these matches were interesting. They were two good matches. Um, the men's one saw the return of Alexander Wolf afterward, who we have not seen on NXT in over a year, I believe. Um, so that was cool to see him. Don't know where that's going. And then Io Shirai brawled with obviously Mercedes, and then she was shown brawling with Tony Storm in the back. So she has two potential challengers to her championship. Um, maybe it's a triple threat. I don't know. But first on the men's front, Mr. Marceau, do you see the Alexander Wolf appearance going anywhere? If anything, I feel like it, it teases that Walter could be coming back, which is great. Because, um, I mean, if he's coming back from the U.K., clearly there's some kind yeah. of travel. Paxis mm-hmm. and Walter's kind of the bigger story. So, if anything like that, maybe he's he'll be sent to get Imperium back on the right tracks. They've been losing a lot lately, so maybe they do that. They keep losing, and then you have Walter come back. I mean, him and Balor had that feud before the whole pandemic, so maybe yeah. that's what they're going next. 
Um, but I thought the matchup was fine. Um, with Casey and Car- and Caden versus Tony and Mercedes, that was a good match. Um, EO coming out, costing them, I mean, didn't shock me too much. Um, Casey's finish, holy smokes, that's like a flippity-doo-dah, like on steroids. It didn't really <laughs> look that, like, I'm not sure if she didn't land, like, the landing itself didn't look clean or just didn't look smooth. She kind of just, like, plopped on the, her back and kind of, like, yeah. went ass over tea kettle. So, I mean, itself it was, like I said, hell of a flippity-doo-dah, but... Maybe she was supposed to land on her stomach and it was supposed to look better, or she just didn't land correctly, or maybe Tony's supposed to be on her stomach. I don't know. Because she kind of, like I said, she like landed like on her back and then just her like ass over tea cow, she like flipped over and just didn't look like, I don't know, didn't look clean. You know what a flippity doodah looks like. And yep. It just didn't look too clean. But I thought it was pretty neat. Um, it's nice to see them win. Uh, I, I think they could be a dark horse to win the whole thing. I mean, they've been there for a while. It'd be a huge push for them if they did win. Um, but no, I thought, I thought the flippy doodah was good. Maybe she needs to clean that up a little bit, but besides that, EO being back's great. Um, Raquel seems like she could be in there as well. So maybe they do a four way somehow, somehow she gets implemented as well. Maybe Rhea, not Rhea, cause Rhea's passed out. I don't know, but I think Raquel, if anyone deserves the title the most, um, mm. she's got those big wins, but we'll see what happens. I think the title picture has a lot of players in it. I, I mean, you can't hate either one of them at, at this point. No, I agree. I think any one of those matches, Raquel and EO, Tony and EO, Mercedes and EO, all those matches could be great. And maybe we get a four-way or a triple threat or just a one-on-one at the next takeover. I don't know. Um, but either way, I'm excited for uh, what they have in store. So speaking of the Women's Classic real quickly, they did reveal the brackets um, yesterday on the WWE Bump Show. And obviously, Caden and Casey are on to the next round. They are facing the winners of Dakota and Raquel versus some, I think it was one of the job teams, like some random team. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was um, J- uh, Jesse, Camilla, and Aaliyah. So clearly Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez are winning there. Um, I don't know. Who do you have win that match? Is it Raquel and Dakota or is it Casey and Cardin in the semifinals? Um, I'd have to see the other side of the bracket, but I, don't know. I think Dakota and Raquel should be the favorites. I mean, they're a great team. They're both over. They're on the same page, clearly. I don't know who's on the other side of the bracket, so I can't really... I don't know who else is on the other side of the bracket for women, but... I mean, I would say whoever wins that match, would, I, would, I would think, would win the whole thing. I mean, I can't think of anyone else that's on the other side of the bracket, so it doesn't really help me right now, but... Um, yeah, I would say whoever wins that match should be the ones that win the whole thing. Did you see that they signed Priscilla Kelly and um, Atlanta Black has been on Dark, Lacey Ryan I'm not overly familiar with. Did you see those signings yesterday from NXT? Yeah, Priscilla Kelly's the fucking tampon girl, right? Yeah, she is the tampon girl, correct. Yeah, she'll never Yeah, she, she'll never lose that for me, so I honestly <laughs> give two shits. Like I said, maybe, well, looking at it right here, maybe I'm looking at the shot- bracket too, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the bracket right now. Maybe do Shotzi and Ember versus Dakota and Raquel. Or you can do Candace and Indy versus Caden and Casey. I mean, it seems like that's where it could possibly go. But, yeah, I mean, I think those job teams, they're just kind of there. Um, but, yeah, that's I'd, I would say the final four would be Candace and Indy, Shotzi and Ember, Dakota and Raquel versus Caden and Casey. And then, I mean, intertwine the baby face and heels there, and then that's the final. So, I think regardless, I, I think Dakota – Whoever wins from Dakota, Raquel, Casey, and Kaden will win the whole thing. Yeah, no, probably. I mean, there's a good chance to get to the finals. Um, looking at it right now, I don't know. Do you have – if Dakota and Raquel lose, I mean, do you have someone else interfere like we just saw last night? I feel like that would just be 
you know, it's more of the same. So, I mean, did they win clean? I don't know what you do there. Or you could have them, or Casey and Kato win clean, and then you could break up Kai and Raquel and have Kai go babyface again. Yeah, that's possible. Maybe Raquel just beats the shit out of her. That's that's also very possible. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because they have a ton of heels right now. They have Raquel. They, they have Mercedes. They have Candice. They have Tony. Like, they're all heel. And they lost Rhea, probably. And they lost Rhea, so you could have Dakota go back babyface, and Raquel could be like, no, I'm better than you. They can... They can tie up those loose ends and have Raquel go after the title. Yeah, that's that's okay. a good idea. They have Shotzi, they have Ember, Tegan Knox is out right now, but you know, Dakota Kai face turn might not be the worst idea. I might uh might that might intrigue me a little bit, so we'll see if that's where they're going with this. But uh yeah, honestly I don't know. This could go any number of ways. I think it is either Shotzi and Ember or I mean obviously looking at these fucking matches, it's clearly gonna be Shotzi and Ember and then Candace and Indy in the next round. I just I don't know. I feel like Shotzi might win there because she lost already to Candice. So then maybe she gets her win back and then she goes to the finals. I don't know. I'm not really sure. I'm going to go with um, Shotzi and Ember as the, as the winners here. Was it ever confirmed that they're getting a tag title shot or was that not confirmed? I don't remember if they said that or not. Um, don't see anything here. It just says... Who will be the first team to, na- to carve their name in the Dusty Cup? So it doesn't seem like a tag title match. Oh, so it's up. another deadly draw. Got it. Yeah. It's another women's uh, deadly draw tag team tournament like from AEW where it has no stakes. And listen, I like listen, I like the Dusty Classic a lot, but at least the men's one in recent years has given the winners tag team title shots right afterward. The, the women's... They have women's tag team titles, so I mean, <laughs> there's no excuse for that not to lead there. Maybe that'll be added at some point. Uh, finally, from NXT on Wednesday, we had the return of the fight pit between Tommaso Ciampa and uh, Timothy Thatcher. Another very good match. I like the first one more, but this was still very good, specifically down the stretch. Thatcher, thank God, winning. Um, I had the pink slip in my hand. I was ready to give it to Thatcher. I thought he was about to lose or tap out or something after he lost to, um, not lost, but after he took the, well, what is it? Not the Angels' wings. What, what do they call that finisher of Ciampa's? Um, uh... Very tail ending. Very tail ending. Yeah, I was going to um, say, I can't think of it, but yeah. It's yeah, he, he, he took the move. It's very similar to what uh, Daniels used to do, but he took the move, almost tapped out. Then I got to rip up the pink slip after uh, Thatcher picked up the win with the uh, muffler. The, um, some, I thought it was the something, something muffler. muffler. What'd you something say? Something muffler. Something muffler. Something muffler, yeah. But it's a great looking move, and Ciampa was stuck in the side of the cage. It looked great. Um, so I enjoyed this a lot. Very hard hitting. Exactly what it needed to be. And then I don't know if it was you who said this when we talked about it a while ago. I think it was you. I know other people pitched this too. That he showed respect to Ciampa afterward. And then when Thatcher was being interviewed on his way out of the building for a dot-com exclusive, you know, he teased that now that Ashanti the Adonis is out of the Dusty Classic, I don't know why Desmond Troy just wouldn't find another partner, but I think they're making it sound like they're completely out of it. They're not even in the tournament anymore. So Ciampa and Thatcher, they're teasing, could be filling in that spot. So what were your thoughts in the fight pit and the potential of Ciampa and Thatcher maybe entering the bracket? I thought the fight pit was good. Um, my only main gripe was they, they finally got into the fight pit during pitcher and pitcher. Like, why would you, like, have them, like, slap each other around on top during pitcher and pitcher and give me, like, the good stuff when they get in the cage. But mm. besides that small nitpick, I thought it was great. Um... Like you said, I, I had the pink slip ready as well for, for Thatcher. I'm lucky to win here. Um, I, I feel like the story itself was always teasing them possibly teaming at the end. So yeah. either replacing them or doing a team would be great. I think they're great together. I mean, they they have great chemistry, hard-hitting, another great match between them. And Thatcher winning was the right decision. So 
Um, they going in the dusty, going the dusty classic. I mean, it's better than those two schmoes you just named. So, um, it's I'm all in for that. Yeah, no, definitely. Do you see them going out of the finals that they do enter over uh, Grizzled Young Vets? Because I know that was their final, Grizzled Young Vets versus MSK. Um, if they get in, I think they should go far. So I would say at least make the finals, if not win the whole thing, if they're in it. I feel like they probably should because I feel like if they're going to team, it's not like, oh, they're going to tease tension and then break up again and then have another match. I feel like the fight pit was the culmination, so... I don't know. I don't know. Either you don't put them in there at all, or they just be in there and win. I feel like to put them in there and lose would just kind of defeat the purpose, but we'll see. I mean, I like Grizzled Young Vets. I think them winning would be great, but uh, hey, if they went over Grizzled Young Vets or MSK, that's perfectly fine, too. But um, yeah, no, I thought it was really good. So we switch over to Dynamite, which I thought by... I, I enjoyed the show overall, but by Dynamite standards, was a very filler show. Um, they had the negative one birthday celebration at the beginning, which was cute, and I enjoyed it. I fucking hate <laughs> Luther, though. Oh my god, he's just—it's—it's it's just. Listen, I know this was like a house show style segment, but the guy is fucking terrible and does not belong on Dynamite. I honestly, what they just—I um, don't know. If I looked at the roster, I could probably find someone that could have belonged in this segment above Luther because I just thought anything that he is involved in, I want to change the channel. He's just so—he has go away heat with me. Mike, ring, whatever. The guy sucks and should not be on the show. Um, thankfully, he did lose alongside Serpentico and Jack Evans and Angelica, what else is to know, against uh, Cabana, Page, Silver, and Reynolds, the Dark Order. And then, um, so I thought this was cool. So they tried to recruit him into the Dark Order, and they, they thought he was going to say yes, and they you know did the whole confetti thing and the dancers, and it was a no, actually. And uh, he just walked off and he said, I've been, I've been in the group before and it just didn't work out well for me the last time. I'm sorry. And then he just left. And he actually walked through the heel tunnel. He actually walked through the heel tunnel um, on his way to the back, interestingly enough. So aside from the Luther shit, which I fucking hate, um, I thought the negative one stuff was what it needed to be. The match itself was fine for what it was. I, I, I'm really digging the Dark Order as I would assume baby faces. And I thought the page stuff was well done. So I thought this was a good kickoff to the show overall. Yeah, Luther, oh my god, is terrible. I mean, he's so bad. And that's what happens when you just hire your friends. I guess he's big friends with Jericho. So oh, that's absolutely he is. Terrible. Yep. Um, Serpentico, it's not good either. Evans and Helico, how far they've fallen. Uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, they were going for the tag titles. Now they're jobbing out to the Dark Order. So, I mean, the match, whatever, it was just a classic indie match. I mean, it was kind of all over the place. Hangman looked great, though, so that's kind of what I took out of it. Whenever he was in, he was in control, and he looked great. So, I mean, he didn't get any of the shit on him. He looked great throughout the whole match. Him saying no to Dark Order, the right decision. Um, and then, like you said, he did go through the heel tunnel, so definitely teasing something there. But I think for what it was, it was an indie match, and Hangman looked great in it. So I can't really complain besides it was just kind of a cluster. What do you think? they're doing with Paige. I think he might end up joining them as a soft alliance before the Omega match down the road. Um, I don't know if you turn him heel. What would you do with Paige? What, do you have anything that comes to mind immediately? Eh, I don't really know. I mean, I, he's kind of, maybe he just goes on his own and trying to figure it out. Maybe he does go back to them and then, I don't know. I think it's kind of weird. I, I think, I think he's better on his own. I, I would just keep him on his own. Maybe like teasing, joining other people, and then eventually he doesn't, and then just can you that? I don't know. I just think he's in a weird predicament that I don't want to really see him in a group just for the sake of being in one. He doesn't really fit with the Dark Order. 
don't know. I, I would just have him on himself, maybe teaming with other people and like teasing might join someone, but just continuing to be like a lone wolf. Yeah, that's very possible, and it's not like he can go for the TNT title as we've discussed before, because that's currently held by Paige, so... Uh, not Paige, I'm sorry, by Allen, so that's probably not going to happen. Um, but we finally did get some progression with the Darby Allen sting thing, the whole Sting storyline, and that they came out, Team Taz interrupted as always, uh, they can never really win whenever it matters most, it seems, they hold a fake title, and that's about it. And I like Team Taz a lot, but they just can't really win the big one, it seems. So they teased an Allen Sting versus Team Taz match on the streets or something like that. So clearly this was the setup for a cinematic match that I assume Sting and Allen would win. Um, Team Taz loses another one. I would say this for Revolution. What are your thoughts on this, Mr. Marceau? What would you do? I'm sorry. What would you do exactly? And when would you save it for exactly? Yeah, I mean, this, I guess it's small progression. I wouldn't say it was, I was overly thrilled with what happened. So I think the end game is Team Taz losing. At first, I thought it was a street fight, and I was like, hope to God, no. So maybe they do, like you said, some kind of cinematic match with Sting, but I just think Team Taz clearly would lose again, and they could use the wins that matter. So it is a little progression. At least it's not Sting just walking through snow for no reason. I mean, it wasn't really like they challenged them, and then they said, we'll see what happens. So it's not like a ton of stuff happened, but... Is what it is, and then another snowstorm happened in Jacksonville, so that, that that's what I got out of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. So, our next match on the show, we had Cody Rhodes and Peter Avalon. I mean, this is where the show lost me. I thought it was going well, and then it just went off a cliff after this. Um, so, we had Cody Rhodes and, and Peter. He hit Peter with the crossroads in the first five seconds of the match. I'm like, oh, perfect, a quick squash. And then Jade Cargill came out to distract Cody. Thank God Peter didn't win. But this went on way longer than it should have. And listen, I like Cody a lot. I think the TNT matches where he got to allow, you know, Jungle Boy and even Sonny Kiss to, to kind of showcase their skills and get in some offense before losing. I thought all those matches were really good. This just did not need to happen. Peter Avalon did not have this breakout showing to the point where I thought, oh man, this guy is so much better than I thought he was after watching this match. I'm very glad he ditched the dumb librarian shit, um, but this was just complete dark material, and I don't give a fuck about the Jade Cargill shit, Cody Rhodes addressing Shaq. I am so out on this garbage. It's just... uh, and it's a shame because I like Cody, but they are just completely... I, I can't even say... It's funny, I say they're wasting him, but he runs the fucking company, so, like, he's wasting himself in a, in a pointless program that no one gives a shit about. Yeah, this match was, I believe, 10 to 11 minutes, and it was probably 9 minutes and 59 seconds too long. Um, this should have been Cody just beating him 1, 2, 3. Um, give Cody a big win. Like you said, Peter Avalon's terrible, dark jobber. This did nothing for it's not like it did anything for him anyway, so um, Cody's been spinning his wheels lately. The whole Jade Cargill thing, I, I literally don't care. The Shaq thing, I, I don't care about that either. They kind of wasted that. Cody, like you said, it's not even like they're wasting him because he's in control. I just I, I really don't see what the end game is. Jade versus even Shaq versus Cody, I really don't care at this point to see that. Jade versus Red Velvet. I mean, give it to me so I can laugh about how bad it's going to be. But besides that, that's the only reason I want to see it. Um, and I just, this is, it just seems like Cody keeps, like, besides, after the whole MJF thing, he's just been in these random feuds that just, like, they're all over the place. Like you said, the stuff with Jungle Boy, Darby, um, was great. But I just feel like he's been in more bad than good, and he needs to figure it out sooner rather than later. 
Let's just get to the meat of this show here, because there's a lot of fucking filler here between, like, Penelope Ford and Layla Hurst, the Butler crap I don't give a fuck about. The real, the real. I mean, they had Moxley in a quick squash against Nick Camarado from Dark. Um, just a whole lot of nothing with this show. But we did get a Private Party heel turn officially. Uh, Matt Hardy's been a heel for a while now, but Private Party turned heel alongside him and winning their six-man against um, Top Flight and Matt Seidel. Um, they did pop up on Impact on Tuesday, and I know you didn't watch because you hate the stench of Impact and whatnot. You just, <laughs> Mr. Marceau's a big anti-Impact person. Um, so we got that as well as uh, fucking Jericho and MJF, with Jericho almost killing himself on that lion salt. <laughs> God, that was terrible. And I love Jericho. Man, he's got to stop doing that move. Um, beating Guevara and Hager, Santana, Ortiz to become the official tag team of the Inner Circle. Who gives a shit, dude? Who cares. Oh, I, I, I liked it. I liked the show. Listen, I liked it. There was a whole lot of nothing though. The more I look at these results, I'm like, holy shit. Just a whole lot of nothing happened on this show. The seeds were planted, but like, man, this was a real boring show, even though I enjoyed it on the whole. I mean, just, just not a lot of happened. So again, the two things I want to discuss real quickly before I got to let you go, um, private party heel turn impact appearance, becoming the number one contenders to the impact tag titles. And, uh, the main event with, um, Jericho and MJF is the official tag team of the inner circle. Um, I mean, this show, like you said, I thought the show was a flop, a flop and a half. I thought, I, I think it was, I like Private Party, but I don't think they should be heels. I think they're baby faces, like their persona is all baby face. So, not exactly sure why they're going heel. That match itself, oh my good God almighty, it was a sloppy mess. I mean, just, this show, like I said to you, if I text, this show kind of just showed how green a lot of these guys are. I mean, Top Flight, they're nice. They, they fucked up plenty of times in this match. They both to cover someone and then Seidel had to throw him out of the ring. I mean, it's just a mess. I mean, I, I get people like high-flying action and kind of all that stuff, but, I mean, when it just doesn't make sense, JR was making fun of it. Him like, I don't know what's going on. Like, you neither there's a referee because there's so many guys intertwining. <laughs> yeah. It just, I mean, I think it's funny how JR even just like, he doesn't even give a shit. He no, just he comes just out doesn't care. I love it, yeah. And, and the, I just, the whole inner circle stuff, like, they were on the same page. Now they're not. Now they are again. It just... It was fine for whatever it was. The blind saw, oh my good God almighty. I thought Jericho broke his neck. Holy smokes. And you could see it, like, MGF, like, wins, and so did the referee. It just did not look good. Them winning, whatever. Like, Jeremy, it seemed like, like there was a highway robbery. I mean, he grabbed the tights, but, I mean, they also, and I think they ended, I think they ended past their time, because, like, they just, like, zoomed right off the show at the very end. Um, yeah, but I mean, now that they win, like, what are they, they going to face the box? Like, probably not. It seems like they're in doing other stuff. I just, I didn't really understand why Omega and the Good Brothers beat up Pentagon. That didn't make much sense to me. Um, yeah, I thought the show itself was just a mess. I, I, next week's show, like Archer versus Eddie Kingston, I, I, it's fine. I just, who am I supposed to cheer for? They're both heels. Um, I just, I just don't know, GSM. I thought the show itself was whatever. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't really take too many positives out of the show. I thought some stuff was fine, but a lot of it was just, just a big filler show, and I just didn't get much of it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Hopefully we have more to talk about next week on the Dynamite front. NXT was at least, you know, it was enjoyable. They got the tournaments going on right now. They announced the women's tournament for AEW. Did you see that? Yeah, I laughed at that. I think they're bringing the Joshis back, and listen, that's great. The tournaments, listen, I like it. I'm, I'm glad they're finally doing something of note with the women. The she, you know, Sheeta feels like a complete afterthought at the moment. 
Um, but man, I, I don't know. If, I mean, they did the deadly draw and that meant deadly squat. So how will this mean anymore? So I want, I want to think they're going to care about their women, but so far I have zero optimism. Yeah, I completely agree. It seems like they're bringing the Joshi ladies back. Not like I'm too overly thrilled. Don't need to see Freddie Mercury or Riho back. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all set up in the, the other girl, Sakura. I mean, I saw people on Twitter acting like she was Trish Stratus or like Charles or something. I was honestly, I was honestly embarrassed with these people acting like, I think it's y- 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 Yumi Sakura. Is that her name? Amy Sakura is the is the uh, I almost said Joey Mercury, the Freddie Mercury. Not the girl, Freddie yeah. Mercury one, the other, the other. The oh, other um, Yakuzuki Japanese. or whatever. I, I, yeah. you know, she's not bad. The Amy Sakura girl, I just she just yeah, wasn't whatever. good. I, mean, I just don't care. I don't care. I and don't Riho, care. no, thank you. I mean, like you said, <laughs> at least it's something to get. I, I just I know now the Rose is the number one contender. Now she's got COVID, so may, I don't know if that's why they're doing it. I mean, they've already done her and Shida twice already, so. We see what it is. I just, I just, I don't know if it's going to be done correctly, and I don't want to see like Riho or one of those other Joshi women facing Sheeta again. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Again, it's it's better than nothing, but man, I just, it's hard to care really based on how they presented their women so far um, into their existence. But hey, I, I want to believe that it's going to be a turnaround for the company or for the, the for the division. We'll say time will tell. Uh, this has been great, Mr. Marceau. New episodes of the show every single Thursday. WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and Google Play. We will be back next week for Royal Rumble 2021 predictions. Always enjoy doing that. The Roman Reigns interview will also be tacked down at the beginning. Mr. Marceau, this has been great as always. I'll catch you guys next week, brother. See you later.